I'm Phyllis Lappin Vance, and I'm listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, Episode 64, Blood Drive. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! Suicide doors on my 57 Got you on my mind, just like all the time. Pedal down, nowhere to go. And welcome to episode 64 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer. And this week, we're going to be taking an in depth and spoiler filled look at the 16th episode of season 5, entitled Blood Drive, which originally aired Thursday. March 5th, 2009. Hey, it's Valentine's Day in March, and that means only one thing, blood drive time. After meeting and losing a promising female, Michael throws a business park mixer in an attempt to reunite his new flame with a lost glove and play Cupid for the other office lonely hearts. Meanwhile, Jim and Pam and Bob and Phyllis head out for a romantic lunch that gets, well, just a bit too romantic. Dear office writers, Thank you so much for putting that image into my head. Dwight strikes out, Stanley schemes, and Andy enjoys his honeymoons. What more could you ask for? Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? And joining me at the water cooler again this week is our dear friend, our traveling salesman, the uh, Rachel to my Ross, Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? Well, you know, Matt, I, this episode reminded me when I was seven years old that Henry Winkler was supposed to come visit our school, and <laughs> when he had to bow out at the last minute, I did cry. Well, man, what can I say? <laughs> Big fan of Ponzi back in the day. Oh, man. Hey! Well, he is a Milwaukee icon, so we both have a little something in common there, I guess. You know, um, this is kind of a weird episode, I have to say, the least of which is because of the fact that it's March 5th, and here we are with a Valentine's Day episode. I, we talked a little bit about this before. I don't know really why they they pushed this back, um, especially when Scranton has such a fine tradition of a uh, St. Patrick's Day parade and everything else you think that they might as well just you can't play it in february i don't know what to say about this well if they if they would have had it in st patrick's day it would have had to be a vulcan blood drive right <laughs> uh, well that's getting a little too esoteric for our fan i think our fans out there kevin with the uh the uh copper based blood there or whatever the hell that is um but seriously yes we are major nerds i i don't know did it's not a huge deal i guess that that was just kind of a minor niggle, but the point of the fact is that to me this was, you know, when I watched it on Thursday, I gotta say I really, I really felt like uh, Bart and Lisa said uh, as part of the MTV generation. I feel neither high, highs nor lows when it comes to this episode. Uh, it was very, very middle of the road to me, and, and it was a nice episode. I mean, the plot it was. Very heavy on the plot. Michael was a nice guy. The office people were a family. You know, everything. Kevin got maybe a little love in his life. So there were some nice things that happened, and I, I enjoyed those on, on that kind of a level, I guess. But just on the laugh-o-meter, uh, pretty, pretty middling, I have to say. I have to agree that this was not laugh out loud through the entire episode. But I really enjoyed this episode. I've watched it now three times, and it just makes me smile. It's nice that for once Michael can not win by not losing. And uh, you know, I just I, th I thought it was a good Valentine's. It was a, a little party situation, a little mixture with the people in the office park. That's not uncommon in an office situation. I really like the Kevin storyline. Brian Baumgartner for the Emmy in this episode. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> and, and and most importantly, I'm so glad the Andy Wangela plotline is over. Let's get back to an A and a B. In this case, the B was pretty minimal, mostly just an A plot, and that's just fine by me. Uh, well, you know, I agree with you on that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad that the whole Dwight, Andy, Angela love triangle has been resolved, although we've gotten a few more kind of hints 
references to that, if you will. Obviously, in this episode, we, we find out that Andy is on one of his non-refundable honeymoons that, of course, he <laughs> set up earlier in the season. And while that was kind of an amusing joke, I guess the, the biggest thing I felt was just that it was sort of an excuse to cover up for Ed Helms, who must be off doing something. Yep, just like B.J. Novak off in Thailand filming <laughs> Glorious Blasters with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. I guess maybe I've gotten used to Ryan really not being that big of a part in the show. Um, with Andy being gone for, what is it, two episodes in a row now? It's uh, uh, really kind of feeling the, the hole, if you will. The thing <laughs> I really liked about this episode is that it could have gone really, really wrong. Uh, I'm thinking back to an episode from last season, Chair Model, mm-hmm. very similar in plot. Michael, his new love sort of springs forth. But that one was completely ridiculous and crazy. He falls in love with a picture. This one, it's a woman who's actually there and doing a little flirting with him, and right. she seems pretty cool. That felt much better to me. And so even though this is a plot we've seen before, it was done so much better. And uh, like I said, not a lot of laugh laughs, although I did have a few very big ones. But it's just very pleasant to smile and, and just happy. Well, I'll, I, I will list a few of my positives here while we're talking about this. Uh, I agree. I mean, the way that Michael was handled in this episode, he really wasn't the fool, I guess, the, the bumbler that we've seen so often. Uh, he's pretty much just a decent guy with good intentions, and he gets the office to unite together, and they respond, you know? They, they stick with him and, and wait it out with him, and they all leave together. And that was a classic Michael with offices family kind of moment there. So, you know, it was nice. No big drama, nothing major that happens. And and you're right that him meeting the woman, it was some, some nice banter and, and she responded to his kind of lame jokes. So <laughs> it, it worked. I guess I didn't feel too bad for him at the end. I kind of felt, I don't know, was it just me or did that last talking head that he had make absolutely no sense? No, I think it, it, it really did make a lot of sense because if you listen to what he's saying is that just because you find the glass slipper doesn't mean that, the, you know, just finding it is part of the victory. Again, that's what I was saying earlier. In, you know, typically we've been treated so often to Michael thinks he's going to win and at the end he loses. Well, in this case, he didn't really lose necessarily, and I think that that was kind of different, and that's kind of the same idea of his whole glass slipper thing, which was you just finding the glass slipper is sort of a little victory in itself. It's not the big victory. You don't get to have Cinderella, but at least you're not losing. You're not getting well, killed by the dragon. Yeah, now that you say that, I mean, I can see where you're coming from, I guess, but it, it's more of a, I got out there, I put myself out there, and it wasn't that bad. It didn't yeah. work out this time, but there's a lot more princesses in the sea, if you mind a mixed metaphor there, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it was it was nice. It was it was a positive kind of episode, and it was it, it was much more kind of dramatic, I guess, than 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 usual. I I didn't have very many big laughs throughout the whole thing. I have to say, uh, I had a few kind of really cringe-worthy moments, such as Dwight's explanation of his retractable penis. Um, I like that. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. It just it was a little over the top for me. And then his, the look on his face while he was sitting there, obviously, I guess, doing it for the camera. Right. Uh, that was a little disturbing. I could have probably done without that. The the Jim and Pam and Phyllis and Bob thing. It was okay. I mean, maybe it was a little predictable as far as what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, a little disturbing, obviously. Like I said, I, I really don't want to picture that in my head. But now it is burned there forever. Well, you know, I haven't been uh, the greatest Phyllis fan. I've said some pretty hateful things. <laughs> I don't regret those hateful things, but I really liked the, the Phyllis storyline here. I thought that was kind of cute, and I, I liked how it let us focus on Jim and Pam being Jim and Pam uh, while that whole thing was going on, it's similar to dinner party in a way. Uh, you know, they're trying to be normal with these crazy people around them. So I thought that was good. I, I really liked the cold open with Jim and Pam. I, I thought that that – well, Cute Pam always works for me, and that was definitely cute Pam. But, you know, it was, you know, what was that? That was funny. <laughs> well, it was kind of funny. It was really, it was absurdist almost. I mean, it was sort of like, uh, it was so out of, out of left field, that whole thing. Right. And it kind of brought back memories of the whole, you know, like, what's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yes. And, it, you know, it was funny to have Dwight, of course, come running up just, the guy that always wants to join in with uh, with the boss, 
Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it was kind of amusing. And it was, I guess it was funny how they distracted Michael from the uh, evil phone <laughs> system guy. Yeah, Pam a little devious there, I guess. I don't know. If, <laughs> so, you know, I, all in all, like I said, it, it uh, didn't hate it, didn't really love it. It was right in the middle there. It was a, a nice kind of warm fuzzy, more or less. Yeah, hopefully more jokes this next week. Well, let's go ahead and get into the credits. This is written by Brent Forrester, who has been a producer on the show for 35 episodes and a writer credited with six episodes. Uh, Most recently, his episodes included Business Trip, Did I Stutter, Product Recall, and Business School. So, um, again, some episodes in there that I really liked, uh, some that I wasn't too fond of, but... uh, there you go, a good mix, and obviously a veteran of the show. Also, talking about veterans, episode was directed by Randall Einhorn, who is the uh, cinematographer on 33 episodes and director of seven, including the also-mentioned business trip, Did I Stutter, and Product Recall. So these guys uh, seem to be working together quite a bit. Yeah, and those are I think those are all pretty good episodes, too. I don't know. This one probably is a little below some of those, but uh, I did like it. All right, well... Let's just go ahead and dive on into the clips here. Now, what's going on? Basically, like I said, it's Valentine's Day, and Michael is none too happy. Oh, look at that. Cupid's and hearts really shoving our faces in it this year. You doing okay, bud? I miss Stacy. Yeah, I hear you. It's been four months since I was with Holly. And she was way hotter than Stacy. So if you think you're hurting... I can't even imagine. Oh. Just about everybody in this office is single right now, including me. And everyone is experiencing an incredible amount of emotional pain, especially me, because of my great capacity for emotion. And it is my first Valentine's Day since Holly. So I think that I am well qualified to understand that these people need to be protected from having love shoved into their faces. You know, I think that uh, one of the positive things about this episode is a very realistic office sort of situation with, um, you know, when you're single during this time of year, of course, it is a slap in the face, as uh, Michael alludes to, and kind of kind of a negative thing to remind you that, hey, you're a loner. Uh <laughs> You don't have any love in your life. So, I mean, I can I can respond to that. I recognize how that goes. The interesting thing, I guess, about this plot line here is that if you remember from season two's Valentine's Day, the, the big plot thing in that episode was the fact that Pam was jealous watching Phyllis get all those fabulous Valentine's Day gifts. And here, she's the one rubbing her Valentine's in people's faces. Uh, I don't really think she was rubbing anybody's face. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but still, I mean, it's uh, in, as far as Michael's concerned, anyway, I thought that was some great business. He walked in, you know, he puts it, oh, what a lovely bouquet. Let's just put that down here on the floor, you know, so it doesn't fall. <laughs> so it doesn't get knocked over <laughs> accidentally. I actually really did like that line in there with, with Kevin when Michael says that thing about how Holly's you know, way hotter than Stacy. <laughs> and Kevin agrees with him. He even admits that, so it's kind of a, a, an interesting Kevin line there. Sure, sure. Uh, like I said, Michael is none too thrilled with Jim and Pam's, quote-unquote, shoving their love in everyone's faces, and he has to confront Jim and explain their point of view. Jim, today's a very difficult day for a lot of people in this office. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and this sexy looks between you and Pam, the general sexiness, mm-hmm. the flowers, it's creating a bit of a hostile work environment. I understand that. It's so sexy, it becomes hostile. Mm-hmm. If you guys insist on having your own private little love fest, we do. then we are going to have our own private Valentine's Day party. That sounds fun. So suck it. Yeah. Yes. Hey, everybody. I just invited Jim to suck it, and I am cordially inviting all of you to a special convention. A a Lonely Hearts convention this afternoon, singles only. Yeah, deal with it, Pam. So we may not have someone in our lives that we love, but we do have each other. And a classic Michael family sentiment there. I love Dwight's, you know, yeah, Pam. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. In your face, Pam. Um, I was saying, uh, Jim. Jim held it pretty pretty well there. Uh, he didn't deserve the grief that he got there, but he let it roll off his back just 
fine, you know. If he's with Pam on Valentine's Day, I guess I'd be pretty happy too. Yeah, we'll get more into their whole romance plotline when we get to their the Jim and Pam plotline in a little while. But that was, you know, I, you know, I understand they weren't really being that over the top about it. And it was pretty, it was pretty low key. But um, you know, still, you gotta you gotta feel for those other people in the office with their hearts torn out. So Michael comes up with this big plan here to uh, to save Valentine's Day for everyone. But um, let me ask you a question here now. I don't know. You know, I'm a teacher, and so I'm kind of familiar with getting kids prepped for the SAT and the ACT. So I have an analogy for you, Kevin. Uh, you, you, are you good at word analogies? Uh, sure. I'll well, give it a try. let's float this one by you. Okay. The conference room is to season three as the blank is to season five. Talk, 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 talk. Um... The conference room is the season three as the blank is the season five. The parking lot. Well, I'll give you partial credit on that. What I was going for is the conference room is the season three as the business park wide mixer is to season five. I feel like we've seen oh, this just so close. several times this season so far with uh, Crime Aid. And it's got it's slipping my mind. It feels like it's been more than just once. That uh, this is the new, like I said, <laughs> this is the new black, <laughs> and it, you know it. It, it makes it, I, I just pointed that out because I thought it was kind of amusing, but it, it makes total sense in this case uh, as far as what Michael wants to do here, make everyone feel better, and we'll, as we'll see in this next clip, it also gives him another opportunity to put his own personal romance plans into action. I am about to give blood, the gift of everlasting life. The transfer of my bodily fluids? No. Wow, that's a big needle. Hello. Hi, I can't talk right now. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm really nervous. Yeah, me too. Yeah. When I get nervous, I sort of clam up. Oh, well, that's fine. Oh, it's better for me just to be quiet, man. Yeah. Hi. Can I point something out to you? Sure. You're actually talking a lot. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) It's the other thing I do when I get really nervous. Wow. Uh, I feel like a human juice box. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Hawaiian blood punch. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> You're cute. What? You're done. Oh, already? Oh, uh, we did it. Ooh, wow, I was so nervous about this. I don't think I ate for three days. Is he okay? <laughs> you know, and not to go too much into the whole, like, Sleeping Beauty kind of metaphor here, but then we have, right at the end of that clip, Michael, you know, falls asleep. And mm-hmm. when he wakes up, <laughs> staring into Hank's face, <laughs> sort of loses well, the princess there. Well, but like you were saying, this is not just, it's not Daryl or somebody like that sitting in the chair. It's Hank who's from the business park. So maybe you're right about your little theory there. Well, we've uh, I think definitely that, got that, a lot that, more that Hank funny, this season. Yeah, it was a funny little joke there to see Hank in place of the uh, hot pretty girl or cool girl or whatever, blood girl. <laughs> And, you know, yeah, where was she, where did she come from? She was pretty cute. And, uh, you know, the flirting there, you played just a, a part of it. It was, it was really good, and I kind of liked it. So, Yeah, it was very very kind of reminiscent of the first episode of Holly, definitely, where they were kind of going back and forth uh, a little mm-hmm. bit, and, and she was actually laughing at his jokes, as opposed to uh, some of those other episodes where Michael is portrayed as this really totally incompetent, creepy guy. What did you think about the uh, the nurse there not giving the uh, name of the girl with the lost glove thing? Technically, it is medical records and that kind of thing, so I don't know what their policy is. But it was plausible enough to me, I guess. Couldn't you, you know, call her and say, come back down, and then Michael could have met her? I, mean, I guess we would have had... <laughs> hey, they're giving blood, blood here. They're, it, it, you know, it's not a romance. You know, it's not a singles bar. They're collecting blood. <laughs> so they got a lot of stuff to do. You know, pass out cookies, band-aid people's arms. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, well... So Michael goes back after that kind of disastrous falling asleep and missing out on his dream girl there. He he does, to further the whole similarity, find the glove that she's left behind. And uh, you can see also, if you look closely in the earlier scene, that she is indeed holding the pair of pink gloves while she's sitting there at the bench. So just in case, I guess, if you thought maybe that Michael was off his rocker or something. Or if it was Hank's glove. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be a wacky twist? Uh, Hank walks into the party holding the other glove. Um, well, <laughs> see, that's funnier than anything that was in this episode, Kevin, right there. <laughs> they got to send us a, a, a residual check. So, you know, Michael returns up to the office, and 
calls everyone into the conference room to have their own convention, as he said. I think we should all go around and tell our worst relationship story and then get past it. Just blow through it. Yeah? Kelly, what about Ryan? He treated you pretty terribly, yeah? Well, his heart was in the right place. Yeah, but now his heart is in Thailand, along with the rest of his body, having random sex. Okay, sorry. Let's, who else? Oscar? Do you risk telling him how you feel? I was stupid. I told him. Was he into you in, like, a gay way? Moron. If he was, there wouldn't be a story. My worst breakup was actually two breakups. Two different men. I was in love with both of them, and when things went bad, they had a duel over me. At Wedding Andy, we were here. No. This was years ago, when I was living in Ohio. Angela, you had two sets of different men actually duel over you? I guess I have. All right. Well, who's next? Where's Andy? He's on one of his honeymoons. He made non-refundable deposits on his honeymoons, so he's just knocking them off one at a time. I think today he's hot air ballooning, and later he's got a couple's massage. Well, I guess, uh, Kevin, maybe we should talk about this. I know we are going to mention it a little bit later in the show, but if you go to NBC.com and, uh, and check out the Andy and Angela wedding album, they, they have some extra material there about Andy on his honeymoons. Uh, so what did you think about that? The fakey fake fake photos of Andy in front of the Epcot Center in the, the Bahamas and stuff? Or the yeah. fact that there was some funny text that went along with it. It was reasonably amusing. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. I mean, it's part of the whole sort of fake website that they've built over there at andyangela.com or whatever it is. And then they're explaining why he's not been around. I guess that's fair enough. They, they, did, they did set that up early in this season, so I guess they're following through. Yeah, that's true. And uh, like I said, I, I, I'd rather have him on the show, I think, but still. Um, and, you know, I know that we just said earlier that you're, you said you're glad they're done with the triangle. I kind of said I'm done with the triangle. Even so, mm-hmm. I feel like that this would be such an opportunity to bring up something along those lines with the bad feelings between them, especially on this day. Dwight's even in this episode kind of coming on to a, a fake Angela, really. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really noticed or anything. She doesn't really care. It's not played that way. Where it's bothering her. I think I wish I kind of wish that they would be doing that. I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity. I think you need to do what I've done, which is to move on. <laughs> uh, Kevin, I it, it's move along. It hasn't been easy staying in my rut. <laughs> nothing nothing to see here. I would say though, you know, I really liked how they use Kelly in this episode, which is funny because we talked last time about Lecture Circuit and Kelly, you know, it's just this is the good kind of Kelly, where she's so romantic. Even the the bit there with the dentist card was kind of funny, and then she kind of drives some of this romantic angle uh, in that scene and in later scenes in this episode. I, I think she was played really well here. Right. It, it is just like a real life Enchanted, I have to say. So, <laughs> she, yeah, I mean, she she plays that kind of dippy role pretty well in this part. The one thing in there, of course, though, like I said, Michael, despite the fact that he's typically bumbling and he did kind of make Kelly feel bad, I guess, he's kind of the facilitator. You know, he is bringing it together. People are being open and, and, and sharing their feelings and everything else. And Kevin, even in his own dumb way, you know, was he into you, like, in a gay way? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's being serious. He's being serious. He's not being uh, condescending or laughing or making fun of Oscar. So, right. you know, everyone coming together, like I said, the nice, nicey-nice little office family feeling in this episode. Now, I got to throw this out there, though, Kevin. What did you think about that whole Angela has had this happen twice thing? I think uh, the saying, oh, brother, would come to mind. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I mean, not quite as bad as licking her cat, but real close. And, again, I want to move on. Writers, office, please move (laughs) on also. All right. Well, so, Michael, after, you know, they're they're kind of sitting here. It's almost like an AA meeting or something where they're all sitting around (laughs) Uh, t- telling their terrible stories about their bad relationships. And, you know, Michael, again, as kind of the the guy who wants to help and protect his family, comes up with a better idea. You know what, guys? I don't think we need to do this. You're right. Okay, everyone, back to work. No, 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 no. I mean, have this kind of party. I look around and I see all these beautiful people who are alone on Valentine's, and I think that there are other single people out there, too. There has to be a way to get all these lonely people together. Net. Giant no, net. Not a giant net. Uh, 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 what do you have in mind? I was thinking maybe like a mixer. Oh, God, that's a terrible Old idea. Old-fashioned meat market. No. I don't think it is. Lonely people mixing with one another, breeding, creating an even lonelier generation. <laughs> 
You're not allowing natural selection to do its work. You're like the guy invented the seatbelt. These people need love, and I am going to get it for them. Who cares if we sell a little bit less paper today? A great boss cares more about the happiness of his employees than anything else. I'm going to be Cupid. And Kevin, you might notice a very conspicuous cut there in the episode from where he says, I'm going to be Cupid. You and I have, are on record of not being super fans of Michael saying really dumb things. Yes. And I, I think that they are making him dumber and dumber. And sometimes I think it goes too far. Like I mentioned in Stress Relief, the fact that he thinks the birds fly west for the winter and that kind of stuff is uh-huh. a little too far. And in this case, Cupid hits people with his sparrow. Yes. Uh, that was just way over the top for me. I don't know. I, I Too dumb to be believed. It was very conspicuous. It, it didn't really offend me like some of his other things, like, you know, the, like the bird thing you just mentioned. It, it didn't It didn't offend me, per se. I, I didn't relish it either. But it was. I thought it was actually kind of funny. But, yeah, it would be nice if they got some new material. Well, it was okay, except that they, they said it twice. Like, they want to really uh, make sure you got it how funny it yeah. was. Uh, so if they would have just said it once, maybe I could have let that go. But aside from that, I mean, I, I really liked the other stuff that was in that clip there. Um, mm-hmm. Dwight's stuff, you know, how do we bring them all together? A net? A giant net? <laughs> and that was a classic line. And then the whole thing about <laughs> getting all these people together, they'll breed a, a generation of even lonelier people. <laughs> I don't know. It was some good, that was some good stuff in there. Uh, way better than the retractable penis line from earlier. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, and here's the thing, then. Uh, Michael goes out, puts up a bunch of flyers to invite everyone in the business park to the mixer at, at 2 p.m. And uh, like I said before, this is all really just a kind of veiled attempt to meet his princess from the blood drive wagon uh, with very like on the bottom of the flyer, very specifically says, you know, lost glove. <laughs> Please come and find it and that kind of thing. And so it, that's part of his main motivation, although still it doesn't seem, it never came off like he was just doing this only for that reason. I mean, he did really generally feel like he was caring about his employees. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so let's just go ahead. Dwight and Michael are waiting there at the door for the mystery woman, but uh, a couple other women enter the scene. Oh, here we go. Hello. Babel Earth. Hello. Hi, Michael Scott. Welcome to our little shindig. Oh, hi. Welcome. I'm Lynn. Lynn, follow me. Come on there in. We go. For you, we have one of our top people, Kevin Malone. Kevin, come out here, show your beautiful self. Hello. Hi. Where are you from? I'm from here. Yeah, okay. Well, he only gets better. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Okay. So where does a woman as charming as yourself find herself employed on a day such as today? Um, I work at a place that does catalogs for community colleges and small businesses. You must use a lot of paper. Oh, God, tons of it. (laughs) There's Dwight giving his equivalent of Homer Simpson's... <laughs> right I gotta there. Say, that was a, that was a lot more disturbing to me than the retractable penis thing. <laughs> I have to say. But he could smell that paper, man. I'm telling you, he, he could smell a sail. And it, the thing is, again, at first I didn't really notice it. I didn't really pick up on the whole similarity between this new girl and and Angela. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming that was very deliberate on their part. Uh, so we here we have this new girl that sort of looks like his old girl, and also needs a whole bunch of paper. It's a Dwight's dream come true. That's a stretch, I think, the Angela thing. But anyway, I agree, you, you, yes. I mean, he, you, think that, you don't think that was in there on purpose? No. Oh. I, I just didn't think that she was that similar. But you're right, though, that instead of focusing on moving on and uh, Valentine's Day and embracing a new person to meet and not being lonely, Dwight, again, goes for the money, and maybe that's why he's a top salesman, um, thinking selfishly about his bottom line as opposed to uh, finding love. So. Ah, well, that is more important, of course. Um, I still say that that was Angela anyway. Well, that's the thing. I like that part in there, though, with Kevin. I'm not really sure. Like, of course, this, this woman comes in who is sort of chunkier and a little homelier mm-hmm. than Michael's usual. So he steers her right towards, you know, Kevin. <laughs> and I like the stuff that he says in there. Michael's trying to help him out. He's like, where are you from? I'm from here. <laughs> well, he only gets better. Uh, and Kevin's so nice. You know, oh, thanks, Michael. The man you just can't insult. <laughs> All right. And speaking of which, as the party is going in there, and, and the, you know, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of action going on. There's uh, some guy that comes in there that Michael tries to fix up with Meredith. 
Tom, what do you say? Well, you're in tool and die repair, and uh, she had a hysterectomy, so it's kind of a repair. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll let you guys talk. Yeah, I, I think he even realized that didn't really work too well. But as he's sitting there waiting and everyone's wondering what's going on, um, they, they finally drag it out of him. Michael, why do you keep looking at the front door? No reason. Is somebody after you? Why do you always go to that? Has anyone ever been after anyone in this office? Hey, it just takes one. Nobody's after me. I just, I met a woman when I was giving blood and I thought she might come by. You met a woman when you were giving blood? That is so romantic. It's no big deal, really. I just, you know, met somebody. We hardly talked. I picked up her glove, so I was hoping I could give it back to her. Oh my God, that makes it even more romantic. Mm. This is like a modern-day enchanted. It's like a fairy tale. She could be your soulmate. Oh, not likely. There are three billion women on the planet. Most of them live in Asia, so the numbers just don't add up. She could be. Believe me, it's nothing. I hardly even talk to her. We just, we were lying there next to each other. I think our blood bags touched. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most romantic thing, i got to say, when your blood bags touch. I, you know, the one thing, I, again, the way I like how they handled this in here, as opposed to the chair model thing that you mentioned earlier, is that Michael is secretly hoping that something happens, but he's really downplaying it. You know, yeah. he's not setting this up. He's not the one running around saying that, you know, oh, this is my dream girl. This is destiny and this kind of stuff, you know, going crazy. He's he's really kind of trying to play it cool. And I think that is... Uh, it's a nice counterpoint to the usual over-the-top kind of really ridiculous Michael. Yeah, I mean, there was some good stuff there with some of the camera angles and stuff for him looking at the door and talking about not wanting to get his hopes crushed and things like that. And it was played very well, and I agree. You know, he was played, portrayed very sympathetically here, and the way that everyone kind of rallied behind him I think was a nice touch. And I also like the line there from Oscar about uh, the paranoia. Why do you why do you always go to that? I think that was a good sort of good line for longtime fans. You know, you know, maybe a little tired of Dwight always going there. Well, you know what though, <laughs> Kevin? Line. That's the, the one thing though. I have to say it was a good line, but um, uh, I'm sorry, Roy came in after Jim, so it, it it did happen. So I'm a little disappointed that they didn't mention that there, but that's true. <laughs> But in any case, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. And now as the party progresses, you know, that's the thing. Michael's waiting. Everyone's kind of behind him. And here here we have Kevin uh, and Dwight, and we see the results of their afternoon of flirting. Hey, I'm sorry we did not have a chance to talk more. I get very nervous talking to pretty girls. Seriously, feel how sweaty my hand is. It's really sweaty. Are you on email? Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay, bye. Bye, Kevin. Good Valentine's. So basically, the greater volume you decide to buy in, the greater discount we can give you. Okay. Okay? What's up? Look, I'm, I'm going to go. Oh, 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 before you go, I'd just love to get a firm commitment on this. Um, you know, maybe sign. Look, we already have a paper supplier. Okay. Well, thanks for wasting my time tonight, idiot. Hey. You don't deserve her. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> of course, that nice little capper there. You don't deserve her. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Ah, well, I, I hope that Michael really meant that the way it sounded and Dwight was just too slow to pick up on it. You know, the the thing I liked about that, of course, is a nice Kevin moment in there. We've, we've seen that before, you know, his little smile and the, you know, good day, good day kind of thing. So cheers for Kevin. And I have to say that if you look at the, the episode preview for next week, it mentions the fact that Andy, Jim, and Pam give Kevin advice on getting dates with a, you know, or wooing a woman. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming that we're going to see the same girl, perhaps, That'll show up in the next episode. So nice bit well, of continuity. And he had a, you know, he he was he was hitting it off with her, and then he tried to pretend like he was the one who didn't get dumped by Stacy, and then he just left. And he figured that was the end of the Kevin storyline. And the fact that he came back and had kind of a cool way of coming back to her and, you know, are you on email? <laughs> are you on it email? Was a great moment. It, was, it was great. Uh, uh, so, well, you never know. We talked last week about people not being able to look up people's names in the email directory, so you never know. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good moment from him. And, and again, I think Dwight's storyline, not unexpected outcome here, but it was well played, and, and I, I did like that little cap right there with Michael as well. All right, well, that only leaves us a few more moments here. At the end, then, Kev, so Kevin gets lucky. Dwight, of course, strikes out there in love and business. Michael still does not get his mystery girl. And, you know, one thing that happens in there that we didn't really have in the clip is that uh, everyone is kind of 
being nice to Michael and they're looking at him and what, you know, they're waiting. They all know what he's waiting for. And so this, this other woman comes in the door and she's kind of nice and, and cute and everything and says, Oh, is this the party? And Michael shakes his head. No, because it's not the woman and everyone else kind of looks sad and disappointed. And so she just walks out. <laughs> so it was a little disappointing. I guess you figure that uh, he did such a good job of trying to set up all the other people in the office that uh, maybe he could have done something there. Because no one was interested in a cute girl. <laughs> well, I do have to say also that somebody on the blog page thought that that was the same girl that was in the blood van and that Michael just for some reason didn't recognize her. That would have been an interesting plot twist, but that definitely wasn't the case. That was not the same yeah. person. So just to, just to clear that up a little bit. Well, you know, like I said, the, the afternoon wears on and here we get a little bit more support from the office. Hey, if anybody wants to go... We can stay a little longer. Really? Yeah. 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 Sure, Michael. Yeah. yeah. No, this is great. Yeah. Michael, it's time. You know, you guys, you guys can get out. I'm, I'm gonna soldier on a little bit. Come on, we'll all go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four months ago, I dated a woman named Holly, and um, this is actually the first time that I've even considered getting back into that arena again. You know what? Sometimes it's not about whether Cinderella gets her slipper back, but it's about the fact that the prince even picked up the slipper at all. There's a lot of princesses out there. You know, they have all different sizes and shapes of feet and hands. So I think, I think my odds are pretty good. Well, that's some good uh, good thought there. Now, we know, I guess, or we thought we've heard, or Mindy Kaling, I think, mentioned the fact that Amy Ryan was going to be back in at least one more episode this this season. So are we going to have another wacky plot twist where maybe Michael finds another girl and then Holly comes back? No, know. it wouldn't surprise me. That certainly seems to be a uh, path that is uh, very, very open at this point. <laughs> So. Well, that might be a little predictable. Yeah, we already kind of talked about that uh, that last speech in our opening discussion. And I, like I said, I, I do have to admit that the first time I was listening to it, it just it felt really rambling, and I didn't really understand what he was talking about. But uh, I definitely agree with what you said previously. Basically, just putting it out there and, and, and saying, hey, it's it's just him kind of taking those steps to to getting out into the the dating world again. And you know, it's good to see him with the positive attitude, I guess, um, as maybe self-delusional as that may be. Well, one thing that I've noticed, and maybe it's related to your um, dumbing down of Michael comment from earlier, he seems to always be referring to Holly in these very strange ways. He says, about four months ago, I dated a woman named Holly. Like, the people who he's describing it to don't know who she is, <laughs> or the time when he asked Pam, do you remember Holly? She worked in HR. I mean, like, how does he know, how does he think that people don't know who she is? Well, Kevin, I'm gonna. Very odd. I'm gonna have to say that that is probably just thrown in there as a, a lame bit of dialogue to try to fill in anyone who's never seen the show before to try to explain okay. who this person is. Because otherwise, you're right; it doesn't make any sense. But I feel like I guess the NBC, you know, the writers, whoever's in charge, just figure, hey, maybe this is somebody's first episode. They're not into the whole thing, so throw them yeah, a ball. But then he, he had the elevator scene in the beginning where he, he mentioned it in a way that was very natural, so I don't know. Yeah, well, what can I say? Well, that's uh, so All there right. we are. Nice ending on a positive note, everything. Nice family, warm, fuzzy episode there. And that only leaves us with the end capper after we come back. And I, one of my comments that I had before was that Stanley was practically invisible throughout this whole episode. The only time, if you look closely, you can see that he is sitting in the party uh, room waiting with everyone and they leave together but he really mm -hmm. doesn't say anything he doesn't do anything except here at the end his one shining moment pardon me may i have a chocolate chip cookie i gave blood earlier and i'm still feeling woozy of course that's weird you've got a cotton ball and tape and we've been using band-aids uh, oh i feel so woozy i just oh. band-aids so there we have Phyllis and Stanley there in Ocean's 14, trying to crack yeah. into that cookie jar in, in the blood bank. So, well, And then Creed walking up with some sort of blood, apparently, or something. <laughs> well, he did say at the beginning, or no, he said in the deleted scenes that he's receiving yes. today. So I guess uh never hurts to have a little extra. Gotta wonder what he's going to be doing with that blood. I'm not sure I want to know. Best left unsaid. So it leads us into the Jim and Pam and Bob and Phyllis plot line here. Now, at the beginning, of course, uh, special 
holiday for Jim and Pam, their first true Valentine's Day together as a couple. This is our first and only Valentine's Day as fiancés. You're only engaged once. Well, present company excluded. Really, Jim? On Cupid's birthday? Yeah. She's fine. Hey, uh, why don't you guys come have lunch with Bob and me? We'll take all afternoon. Michael is terrified of Bob. What do you think? I have a lot of work to do this afternoon. Mm. Those minds aren't going to sweep themselves. We're in. You know, it's a great line from Jim there, I got to say. Those minds aren't going to sweep themselves. Um, <laughs> it, took, it took me probably until the third viewing to really understand what that meant, uh, with the Minesweeper application on the Windows. But oh, yes. I, which I, I agree. I think it's hilarious. Uh, so that's a great line. You know, I, I have to correct myself, actually, because I said that this is the first Valentine's Day they had together as a couple. But, I mean, technically, uh, that would have been last year. But we got screwed out of the Valentine's Day episode because of the writer's yeah. strike. So uh, right. it's their first and only as a fiancé. So definitely right. then within this next year, they are getting married, even though they have not set the date. So The drumbeat's getting louder and louder. So uh, before the season is over, I'm sure we'll have a date. And that's, so that's the setup. They're going off to, uh, to eat a nice little romantic lunch there with Bob and Phyllis. And uh, <laughs> as they sit down, i got to say, I'm not the world's biggest Bob Vance fan, but I, I definitely love his line here. It is so nice to go out with another couple. Anything to get out of that office, huh? I honestly don't know how you can work with that jackass, <laughs> and that other jackass, and that new jackass. <laughs> He's talking about Michael Biden, Andy. Oh, yeah. I understand. Everyone here is bold at 280. Please raise your hand. No way. Wow. 280? That's impressive. Okay, now everyone here who's bold under 70 raise their hand. Excellent. Come on, no, Bob, raise your hand. No. no. What? One time. You love bringing up that one time, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. Jim uses a six-pound ball. That is a lie. Yes, that he bowled five frames with this pink sparkly thing until a little girl had to ask for her ball back. But that girl must have had monstrous hands because the holes fit. No, you just have little dainty fingers. You could always model ladies' jewelry. Nobody asked, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so the jackass thing, that was pretty good, but... Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of it's what I was saying before. I mean, this conversation is not really funny. There's not really anything really laugh out loud funny about this. I mean, it's a nice little real life kind of, I guess, warm coupley conversation going on between these two people. So, you know, it advanced the plot. It's it, it's a nice, uh, but not a whole lot of real big laughs in this section. Exactly, and that's exactly what I was saying at the beginning. Was I enjoyed it a lot? The, all the people saying that they want to see Jim and Pam be Jim and Pam. Well, here you go. Uh, them interacting with another couple, a fairly normal couple, or so we are led to believe. <laughs> and, you know, there's a little bit of a, a company plot thing here with the jackass comment, which is kind of funny. We, we know that Bob Vance has this adversarial relationship, but he does it in kind of a funny way, you know, that's fine. <laughs> so it was it was a great little setup, and it's nice to get out of the office from time to time. Um, and then we'll just see what happens with the rest of lunch here. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, the the rest of lunch does not go quite as planned, and as we come back from the commercial break, Jim and Pam find themselves alone at the lunch table. What's the rule about eating when people are in the bathroom? They've been in there for like 10 minutes. Do you think they dined and dashed? Well, they didn't dine, so yeah, maybe they just dashed. I thought we were having a nice time. We were. Yeah. Empty. Mine too. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay, then. So, where were we? Bowling. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. You didn't eat much there, Jimbo. Well, initially I did. Want some meat? Oh, sure. Go pee. (laughs) So, Kevin, want some meat? (laughs) That's what she said. Yeah, that initially I did lie, and it was probably the funniest thing in this entire episode. Just the, just the way it was delivered by Krasinski, and then the whole awkward, you know, stare from both Jimmy and Pam right afterwards is just, just great. I, you know, again, I don't know that I was cracking up, but I really, really enjoyed this whole moment here. Well, like I said, it's a little disturbing to, to you know, you hear the sounds and. Uh, picture the image there of Bob and Phyllis getting busy in the handicapped bathroom in the back of the restaurant. Well, uh, if she comes back, she's all flush and she's having a drink, a ton of water to 
get re- rehydrated or something. I mean, yeah. Oh, where were we? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of funny again uh, to to maybe go back to the season two Valentine's Day episode. If you remember, um, Pam's big gift from Roy was uh, the best sex of her life. So here we have a little bit of a reversal. Pam gets the flowers, and Phyllis gets the uh, <laughs> the hot sex action, uh, brother. Um, so, like I said, there's the plot line, and then that that's just pretty much where it ends. We never get back to that or, or get any other, uh, you know, talking heads or anything else commenting on that. Just that reaction shot, as you said, kind of this really disturbing uh, sort of look, kind of, the, you know, the kind of looks that we got during dinner party uh, directed mm-hmm. <laughs> directed out at the camera. So, poor, poor Jim and Pam. All right, well, let's just go into the deleted scenes then, Kevin. There's only two up so far this week. Uh, let's just go ahead and play this. You know, there's some good stuff in here, but again, uh, most of it really does deserve to be on the cutting room floor. Giving blood on Valentine's Day is an American tradition. There's absolutely nothing to fear. At least while the sun is up. After dark, whew, this thing's a vampire magnet. Listen up. It has come to my attention that only five of you have signed up to give blood, and Creed has signed up twice. That's to receive. I have checked out the credentials of the Bloodmobile. There is no reason to believe that your blood will be used in any ritualistic way, nor for cloning, nor to keep anything alive that never should have been born. scaring them, Dwight. On the contrary, I'm educating them. That soothes fear. Jim. What if you want your blood to be used for ritualistic purposes? We'll discuss that later. How would you like the blood to come at you, fast or slow? Uh, that's not really up to you. Really? Give me a number on the scale of 1 to 10. 6. Wait, can I specify who gets my blood? No, sir. So my blood's going to go in with all the ordinary blood? Yes. How do I know it's not going to go into a person who will later come back to kill me? That would be an ironic death. If you can avoid dying ironically, then you can live forever. I mean, it's on every newspaper headline. Olympic swimmer drowns in bathtub. Poor man dies by falling bag of money. Child star dies of old age. Time-traveling assassin kills inventor of time machine by impaling him on sundial. Can't get back home. My husband ran off with some broad. Who was she? She was our garbage woman. Nice. I totally get it. I mean, she was strong. She had a career. She could heave a bag of garbage as high as a two-story house. So sorry, Maria. My kids call her mom now. I guess it's for the best. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's... Who else? I do not have a Valentine this year. I have recently got out of two long-term relationships, so I want to wait before I do that again. You know what, ladies? I want you to go and fire up the flyer maker. Yes. You mean the computer? Sarcasm, Kelly. Unattractive, abrasive. Keep it feminine, babe. I think you knew what I was saying. Um, I did not know what you were saying. I think you did. Well, I'm telling you that I didn't. Goodbye, blood drive. Hello, party time. So, give me another hypothetical. Okay, you can have sex with any woman in the world. Who would it be? Carol, Jan, or Holly. I imagine it constantly. Hey, Dwight, that is not cool. No, no, what are you doing? Look at this. Five for car. That seems wasteful. It is wasteful. That's exactly how we get attention. Be Donald Trump, not Donald Duck. Scrooge McDuck was richer than Donald Trump, and he was very thrifty, which supports my method. I don't think Scrooge McDuck ever really existed. If I had to guess, I would say my soulmate probably died 700 years ago in feudal Japan after having impersonated a samurai. Or at the very least, she lives somewhere outside of the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre corridor. There's a few good lines in there, like I said. I'm sort of glad that they really curtailed that whole Dwight is the master of his bodily functions plot line. I think that went mm-hmm. uh, as far as it needed to go. Although I do wish that they would have included that bit in there with, with Jim. You know, what if I want my blood used for ritualistic purposes? I don't know. That was a good, <laughs> that was a much better and much funnier line as far as I'm concerned than Dwight talking about his veins and his, you know, retractable wang. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that was some interesting stuff. Um, his fascination with Carol and all of the rest of Michael's ex exactly. is kind of interesting. <laughs> who would you, if you could do any woman, who would you do? He names all three Mike, Michael's three three women that he's had sex with. So, <sighs> yeah, that's a little disturbing, I have to say. And I am a big fan of Scrooge McDuck, so any any kind of shout-out that we can get in there, I do appreciate. But yeah, but you're right. I think most of this deserved to be on the cutting room floor. I mean, we already got a bit of Angela already, and so, you know, that's one of those, they film both lines and they see which one works better, and then they drop one. So that's just fine. 
I'm a director. Which on a film set is the highest title there is. Do you know anything about film? I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Congratulations. All right, well, we don't have a lot of regular news today, but we have some other movie announcements here. Let's start with our friend Ed Helms, the mysterious missing nard dog. Um, The Hangover teaser trailer is out now. Uh, Ensemble buddy picture from the old school director Todd Phillips opens on June 5th. The film stars Ed Helms along with Bradley Cooper from Wedding Crashers and Zach Galifianakis. Uh, the plot is fairly simple. Cooper's character is supposed to be married, but wakes up beaten and hungover outside Las Vegas. The movie is a two-day flashback, the hijinks that got The Bachelor and his buddies into trouble. Helms seems to be playing the second lead and is featured screaming and crying in the trailer, but not doing any of his trademark singing. Uh, Helms' character does get to marry a hooker, so all is not lost. You know, that movie got a big reaction when I saw it in the theater uh, in front of Watchmen. So, I, you know, it looks pretty funny. So, we'll, you know, we'll have to see. I'm looking forward to that movie. You know, it's interesting because I did not get that trailer during before I saw Watchmen. So, uh, nothing but nonstop action flicks on my end. So, I wish I would have seen that. It just sound kind of interesting. All right. Well, Steve Carell's got a lot of projects uh, rumored to be happening. You know, he hasn't really announced what he's going to do on the hiatus or later this year. Um, but we are starting to get some... Um, some rumors that Jay Roach's comedy Dinner for Schmucks is finally moving towards production with Steve Carell and Paul Rudd starring. So a nice little reunion there of the uh, 40-year-old virgin pals. Yep, and Anchorman too. So according to worst previews, um, Roach has been trying to get Schmucks, which is a remake of the French comedy Le Dinner des Cons, made for a while. And now Carell and Rudd are clearing their schedules to begin shooting in October. Sasha Baron Cohen was originally aboard to star in the film, but has recently left. Uh, the storyline involves a stupid man who has the ability to ruin the life of anyone who spends more than a few minutes in his company. Carell would play the schmuck, while Rudd would play the self-absorbed man who has his life ruined after having dinner with the Carell character. Meanwhile, rumors are also indicating that Carell is finishing and finalizing plans to star in a movie called High Tea, a movie about a man who makes who takes testosterone after an injury only to find the hormone creates wild mood swings, which I think, uh, you know, Evan Almighty would show that Carell can play wild mood swings very well. Now, did I hear uh, rumors or something that he's, like, getting all physically pumped up to play that character? Uh, yeah, I haven't heard that, but that would seem to make sense if he's going to do it. Uh, you know, there's also this date night movie with Tina Fey, which is also looking as a potential possibility for um, the May hiatus. So we'll have to see. I think it could be any of these movies. Kevin, what about The Beaver? Yeah, The Beaver movie. That's right. Oh, man. That was my right. front runner, so I can't wait. <laughs> I hope that still makes it in there. And the Napoleonic War thing or whatever. Wasn't that another one that we had with him attached to it? Yeah. He needs to make a, make a uh, decision here. Uh, good Lord. All right. Well, uh, speaking of Steve Carell and Ed Helms, well, it looks like they will both be connected in some way in an untitled Civil War movie. Helms would play a Civil War reenactor, someone who is obsessive about historical precision, stitch counting the code, buttons from the period, proper speech, etc. He and three other guys, uh, two fellow reenactors and an African-American professor of history who's protesting the event, are accidentally transported back in time and taken in the actual Civil War. Once there, they find have to find a way home without altering history or permanently breaking America in half. Apparently, Helms wrote the script with Jake Fleischer, and Carell is set to produce. Uh, that sounds pretty high concept for me. Yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. And I, I again, I like Ed Helms. I'm, I'm glad to see him do more stuff, um, you know, on screen. So, you know, if that means a little less Andy, I guess that's okay with me. <laughs> Uh, well, Matt, you know, wh- how can you tell that a TV show has reached a certain level of awareness in the popular culture? I don't know, well, Kevin, how. When, when that movie or that TV show becomes the basis of a parody porno version. Oh, man. And, uh, Matt, i got to say, one of the perks of That's What She Said, I was able to get a screen, screen copy of The Office in XXX Parody. Now, folks, if porn is not your thing, uh, we're not going to get too graphic here. But I wanted to make everyone aware because this is pretty interesting. Um, you know, this is typical porn stuff, right? They have the faux characters from The Office. 
the, the lead character instead of Michael Scott, it's Michelle Scott, and there's Sam, the receptionist, and Dwayne, the accountant, you know, or whatever. I mean, so it's kind of funny. But let me let me let me read the plot because this is this is pretty interesting. When Michelle is caught with her foot in her mouth, her boss Jen swiftly replaces it with something and forces Michelle to teach the employees about sexual harassment firsthand. Today, the employees of Dinder Muffin will experience data entry, overhead, accounting, uh, dictation like they've never experienced before. This is one office where nobody gets laid off, but they all get laid. Oh and I have God. to say, you know, the parody aspects of this um, movie, so to speak, are actually pretty funny, I have to say. Uh, probably more interesting to the average office person than the um, sexual stuff. So if porn is your thing and office is your thing, you might want to take a look at The Office and XXX parody. You know, Kevin, I find it interesting how uh, somehow, you know, you're the one that gets all the free porno and stuff off the show. <laughs> I have not seen this movie. Um, it sounds, uh, yeah, it sounds a little, a little iffy there. Dinder Muffin. That's classic, classic stuff, I have to say. Speaking of movies, though, before we go out, this has nothing to do with anything. But since we mentioned it a second ago, I, I will just say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm an old school comic nerd and I did go out and see Watchmen this week and I thought it was a great adaptation of a great book. So thumbs up from me, definitely. Three out of five stars for me on Watchmen. I'm not a big comic book fan, but uh, definitely an ambitious movie and, uh, well, maybe worth your time. Well, they all can't be Office, you know, the XXX movie. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, Hammond's is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Well, we covered most of the news that was uh, put out this last few weeks. And uh, just a couple of points here. First off, I'd like to say a happy belated birthday to Jenna Fisher, who turned 35 years young this past Saturday, March 7th. So happy birthday, Jenna. Well, and happy birthday to Jenna, of course. Uh, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, you can follow Matt and me on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash summermatt and twitter.com slash kevincrossman. Uh, these are personal accounts, not dedicated that's what she said feeds, but if you want to follow us and uh, learn what we're uh, seeing and watching and when we're recording and all that, uh, feel free to follow us. Yep, and remember, of course, that Rain Wilson is twittering away, the only Office cast member who is, in fact, so it's twitter.com slash Wilson. Um, there is an account that's supposed to be in character for Kelly Kapoor. However, it is not being written or done by the actual Mindy Kaling. So you can personally skip that. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Jenna, John, not on Twitter or Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, feel free to join the That's What She Said podcast listeners group. All right, well, let's talk about those cast blogs and Rain Wilson's Twitters. Uh, he's up to 141,000 Twitter followers. That's just amazing. Uh, some of his recent Twitters include the following. Unpopular opinion number 41. I always thought that John Oates was overrated. Did anybody ever think Oates was great? I don't know. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't say he was great, but he was underrated. All right. All right. <laughs> another. Here's another one from Rain Wilson. There was nothing funny about ADD, now called ADHD. It affects over, hey, look, a weird moth. Oh, that wacky Wilson. Amazing sunrise on this, the first day of the Baha'i fast. 19 days, no food or drink, sun up to sundown. A tough, incredibly spiritual journey. So I think you've got a sense of the Rain Wilson, funny stuff personal stuff, but also, you know, some meaningful stuff as well. Yeah, and he's been, uh, you didn't have this in there, but he's been pimping his Soul Pancake website. Uh, I guess it's really getting ready to launch. Supposedly he's going to be on Oprah in some capacity on Monday, uh, whether it's some kind of podcast or something. I don't know if he's going to actually be on the show, but uh, it's something to do with Soul Week or something. So he's uh, he's kind of pumping that website up also. You know, yeah, he he does have an incredible, amazing amount of followers and he is, you know, a pretty good Twitterer or tweeter or whatever mm -hmm. you want to say. He does, has a lot of updates, uh, stuff about his kids. Most of it, of course, 
uh, very tongue in cheek. Um, yes. The occasional honest opinion there, as you said. All right, Kevin, next new episode, as uh, we mentioned before, this is going to be called Golden Ticket. Sounds like Michael's been watching a little too much Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> Michael's golden ticket idea causes quite a stir. Uh, he causes a huge problem in the office when he comes up with the idea to put golden tickets into packages of paper for clients to redeem for discounts. Andy, Jim, and Pam give Kevin differing advice on wooing a woman. Now, I gotta say, just reading that description, that doesn't sound like that bad of an idea. No, it doesn't. I'm sure Michael will find a way to ruin it, but uh, <laughs> again, and, uh, it sounds like a very strong A plot and a very weak B plot and no C plot whatsoever. Gotcha. So looking forward to that next week, March 12th. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, well, these are some listener comments on That's What She Said, episode number 63, Lecture Circuit. Kate wrote, great podcast as always. The Dwight Jim clips had me laughing out loud again. And for the first time, I find myself agreeing with Kevin. I prefer Dwim to Dwight. So <laughs> All right, there well, you go, Matt. You got one, Kevin, but here, Crod <laughs> has got my back. Uh, Crod had this to say. I just wanted to say I agree with Matt haha, about Karen's husband being a Jim. A uh, picture of him in the hot dog costume. Uh, other pictures of Karen doing things with her husband that Jim and Pam would also do. Although Karen never would do those things with Jim. I think there was plenty of evidence that Karen married another Jim. So there you go. One me, one you, Kevin. All right. That's fair. Okay. Well, let's get into some listener comments on this week's episode, Blood Drive. Rob wrote, I love this episode. The Pam and Jim plotline was perfect. Every so often we get a reminder that Phyllis is a quote-unquote naughty girl. Yeah, and I can live without ever being reminded of that again, I have to say. Yeah, there was no Phyllis in that other movie. Anyway, I felt that this plot was staged at just the right tone, not too over the top, not too underplayed, just right. Creed stealing blood, Stanley stealing cookies was all great and funny. Michael meeting a new woman, maybe he'll bump into her at improv class and he'll fall in love and have to choose between her and Harley during this season finale. The only thing I didn't like was the Dwight penis talking head. It would have been better with a cholesterol reference. After all, he can raise it and lower it at will. Well, I agree. I'm already on record saying I really didn't like that line, so you're right there, Rob. All right, Money had this to say. Uh, I like that the writers are trying newer dynamics with Pam, Jim, Phyllis, and Bob. Characters mixed together in a small group for the first time. It worked out all right. Stealing food from another plate was sort of cute. It was a small, relatable situation like when Pam was really hungry in dinner party. So kind of goes along with what we said, you know, not really huge, not big laughs, not really anything, but it was a nice nice little scene. Super Sidham wrote, I thought it was a good episode. However, a couple things bugged me. The big thing is now we've had two episodes without the Nard Dog. I don't buy the whole story that he is out on one of his honeymoon excuses. The second one was, why was Stanley at the mixer? He is married. Toby would have made uh, sense to be at this event. Yeah, that's true. Well, no Flunderson at all. Maybe, you know, I, maybe, that, maybe that's why I like this episode so much. But you know what, though? Now that I think about that, again, I think uh, our, our commenters and everything sometimes come up with some better plot lines than the actual writers of the show. That would have been really interesting, an interesting dynamic to see whether Michael could have overcome his Toby disgust to try to get him hooked up with a woman or something. You know, That, that could have been his, mm. his job to, to get this guy that he hates uh, a new woman. He'd be so pathetic and lonely and everything else. You know, it seemed like it would be a, a great fit, but uh, you know, I guess well, he, Paul Lieberstein was a little busy. Well, and he had his hands full with Kevin anyway, so. <laughs> well, that is true. All right. Courtney had this to say, I felt like the whole Michael plotline was kind of sad, though it does kind of go back to the idea of the office being a family, and it was nice to see the other people in the office supporting Michael. The double Jim look at the camera was priceless. Overall, I thought the episode was good, but not great. Best wrote, by far the sweetest episode in a long time. I really enjoyed it. The best visual, Dwight's giant net for single people. Worst visual, Dwight's retractable penis. Ew. Right there with you, Beth. And Kate here has, I think uh, you dubbed this the comment of the thread. Um, Carnations, Jim. Sorry to be a snob, but this episode was just like Pam's bouquet. 
safe, boring, and cheap. So put that one to bed. <laughs> and that's just about going to do it for us this week. Join us in a week or so for episode 65, Golden Ticket. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode is provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember, head on over to NBC.com slash The Office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here. That was funny. That was funny.